Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 on What About Therapy. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the four great deaths and how those can apply to us and how it can help us live a more liberated, happy, and free life. All that coming up next on What About Therapy. All right, you guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been too long, huh? It's been like two and a half weeks. I say every episode, like the past three, that I'm going to release an episode like, oh, next week or in two weeks. And right now, you know, I'm just going to release them when I can and when I want to. (laughs) Obviously, I want to try and get them out as soon as I can. But, you know, I don't want this podcast to become a burden for me. I want to do it for fun. And I want it to be just a fun hobby. And so, yeah, it's been kind of slow lately, and I apologize for that. But at the same time, I've been I've been loving it, and it's been it's been really fun. So, and also, thank you all so much. I just want to say thank you for all the support that I've been getting. And if you haven't already, just go ahead and leave a quick five star review. I mean, if if you would call me a five star podcaster, right? <laughs> But I, I I hope you do. And if you have time, I'd really appreciate it if you wrote a little review um, with your little star rating. That'd be awesome. But uh, so today, like you heard in the intro, we're going to be talking about the four great deaths. And so this comes from the book Feeling Great by Dr. David Burns. And I'm almost positive you can find the four great deaths in other books. It's, it comes from Buddhism. And so I'm sure you can find, find these in different, uh, Buddhist, Buddhist books. I'm reading a book very slowly off and on called in the Buddha's words. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but it's been really awesome to learn about the different things that encompass Buddhism. And I believe there's a lot of truth and a lot of light there in Buddhism to help us live a more, peaceful life and to come to know who we are as individuals and as people. So it's been great. So let's get right into it. So the Buddha believed that we can escape suffering and experience liberation when we escape from the trap of thinking that we have a self. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago, probably two episodes ago, where, oh man, what was the context? Oh, it was the episode of radical acceptance, right? Of the living a non-attachment life. And so in that episode, if you haven't listened to that, you can go back to it later and listen to it. I highly recommend it. But uh, in the episode, we talk about a non-attachment lifestyle and an attachment lifestyle and suffering comes from being attached to things, right? Like money or loved ones. And again, like we mentioned in that episode, it's not bad. It's not bad at all to be attached, but with attachment just comes suffering. And so that's an acceptance that we have to make if we're going to be attached to something. So when you let yourself, okay, when I say self, I'm putting it in air quotes, When you let yourself die, you can experience joy, peace, love, and liberation from suffering. So this is 
really, it's a hard concept to wrap your mind around at first. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind fully around it and have it make complete sense for me. Um, but the more you think about it, the more you can experience it yourself, it just kind of makes more sense. And so at first, it sounds like kind of a harsh thing to say, okay, especially with some of these great deaths, you'll think, what? Like, that's kind of harsh, you know? But just just think about it, okay? Don't judge the four great deaths. Don't automatically think they're bad or or whatever, right? We have to just kind of accept it. Don't judge it, all right? And just think about it and try and understand it. So there are four great deaths, and they correspond to recovery from depression, anxiety, relationship conflicts, and habits and addictions. So with each great death, you'll experience liberation and an instantaneous rebirth. You will lose nothing but your suffering and yourself, and you will gain the world. Let me read that again. It's a quote from David Burns from the book, Feeling Great. He said, you will lose nothing but your suffering and yourself, and you will gain the world. And self, again, is in air quotes. So let's just jump right into the great deaths here. The first great death is the death of the special self. Now, this is the one that is the was the most confusing for me to, to understand, and the one where I was like, what? Like, no, I don't, that's kind of, no, <laughs> just no. So what this means is we have to let our special self, okay, the fact and the thoughts that we are special, we have to let that die to say we are not special. And I know, just hear me out, okay? So this self is involved in the recovery from, or sorry, this great death, I should say, the death of the special self, is involved in the recovery from depression, inadequacy, guilt, shame, inferiority, and worthlessness. Because if you think about it, all those things really tie to the self, right? And thinking that we are special, thinking that we need to be different, we need to be something great, we need to uh, do something just different. We need to uh, let's like, what's a, what's a good example? Like thinking that you need to live up to a standard, right? Because that's what, uh, the standard is like in your culture or whatever. And when you don't live up to that, you think that you are a failure, which brings depression, inadequacy, guilt, shame, all that. And so when we're able to let that die, Okay, let that special self die. And we realize that we aren't special. That's that's really when that guilt and that shame is kind of is lifted off. So here's a good quote from David Burns. He says, This requires the painful acceptance of the fact that you're not actually special, and the fantastically liberating discovery that you don't need to be. So I know some of you might be thinking like, what? You know, I grew up my whole life thinking 
that I was supposed to be something special uh, and all that. I mean, so did I. And again, I'm also still kind of trying to wrap my head fully around this, but the more I think about it and the more I experience it, I guess, the more I really accept it and notice and I can I say I see the truth in that. So this first great death can also be called the death of the ego, right? So when the ego dies, that's when liberation happens. We need to get rid of this ego inside of us that thinks we need to be better than everyone. We need to prove something. We need to live up to a standard. And so when that ego dies, the special self realizing that we aren't special and you don't have to be, right? You don't have to live up to a standard to do anything like that, to be you, to be a human being, to be, yeah, just that, a human being, to be a great person, all right? We don't, there's nothing to live up to. You are a great human being. You're a great person. And so when that death happens, that's when that depression, guilt, shame, all that will start to be lifted. Not saying that when you fully have the death of the special self, you'll never experience those things. It will just be a tool you can have to fight off those feelings and to recognize that you don't need to feel shame or guilt for not living up to a standard or for being, you know, quote unquote special, right? So the second great death is the death of the fearful self. This great death involves recovery from anxiety. Now, I talked about this in, I think, episode two. We talked about different techniques to overcome different mental illnesses like anxiety. And so when we need to overcome the death of the fearful self, David Burns says, and thousands of others, this has been tested for, he said, over 2,500 years. <laughs> that's, that's a long time. This has been tested for that long, and it's helped overcome fear and the sense of anxiety, and that is the exposure technique. So exposing yourself to what you fear. Now, I know it can seem maybe counterintuitive sometimes, especially when you go to therapy you're supposed to get help with the very thing you're scared of. And the exposure technique exposes you to that very thing. And although it can be very scary for that person that has that struggles with uh, anxiety or this fear, right, that they're trying to overcome, the exposure technique is one of the most effective techniques that we can have that we can use today to overcome fear to overcome our anxiety of things. And so if I recall right, David Burns gives an example of someone he was working with who had, he, oh, what is it? He had, like he sweat, he sweat a lot. And so like more than the average person, he just sweat. And so that was, it made him like anxious it made him nervous to talk to people. You know, he would engage in mind reading where he would think, oh, these people, they see the sweat under my arms or whatever. And that would just increase the anxiety. And so one thing 
that David had him do was the exposure technique. And what he had him do was go up to random people, okay, that they've never met before, and he would just talk to them and say, Hi, I I sweat a lot and it makes me really anxious. And I'm trying to overcome that right now. And so that's why I'm telling you this. <laughs> and you know, just to overcome that that anxious those anxious feelings of sweating more than usual. Let me see. Let me see if I get that right. I think I I think that was the right I'm, I'm just trying to see if I use the right example here. I don't want to just use the wrong one. Yeah. So Yeah. So that was right. And that's how that person that David Burns was working with overcame his fearful self. And that's where he experienced the death of the fearful self. He was no longer afraid or anxious because of his, I don't know if you'd call it a disorder. This is his issue that he was struggling with. So that's the second great death, the death of the fearful self. The third great death is the death of the angry or the blaming self. So this great death involves the transformation of uh, conflicted, hostile relationships into ones that are far more loving and trusting. And so taking those tough relationships that we, <clears throat> that people experience and turning them around to really help them be healthier and, and stronger, to be able to bond easier, etc. So it involves looking inward at your flaws or mistakes instead of looking outward. So instead of pointing fingers and playing playing the blame game, right, blaming everyone for your problems, you need to realize and just ponder about yourself, about your actions. You know, how are you how are you feeding the flame, right? There is a so let's see, there's a quote I want to try and find here real quick. I should have had it in my notes, but let's see. Uh, oh, where was it? It was just right there. Gosh dang. There we go. <laughs> okay, sorry. So this third great death, so most of the time when you're in a conflict with another person, right, it's very easy to, and probably I would say it's human nature to kind of deflect from ourselves and don't point fingers at ourselves, right, because we want to boost our ego, you know, if it's our fault, our ego goes down, our ego weakens. And so we don't want that. And so we tend to kind of go outwards and point fingers. So when we're in a conflict with another person, most of the time, okay, a lot of the times, it's not just their fault. We contribute to the problem as well. So let's see this quote here. Let's see. So David Burns says, it allows you to examine the Buddhist concept of oneness. Okay. 
I know this is kind of, this may seem kind of out of context and weird, but hear me out. So according to the Buddhists, the universe is one and our suffering as well as evil results from the illusion that we're separate from the rest of the universe, but there's no external reality and no separate self. So instead, you are both enmeshed in a system of circular casual casualty. <laughs> You're constantly provoking and reinforcing each other's negative behavior. The other person is not a separate or malignant entity that's doing something to you, but is the manifestation of the interpersonal reality that you create every time you interact with him or her. So he goes on to say that you are both one. This discovery can be extraordinarily liberating and empowering, but it comes at a steep price, the death of the ego, right? Like what we were saying. Looking at your own role in the problem can be extremely shocking, painful, and even humiliating. So although this third death of your ego may not sound terribly appealing, it can also be tremendously empowering. So I love that because when we take accountability for our own crap, like the own stuff that we are doing and contributing to conflicts that we have, the easier that we are able to resolve what is actually happening. Because if you just point fingers, right, saying, oh, all she does is do this, this, that, or that, and or all he does is uh, complain, or all he does is start arguments, take a look at yourself and your responses to what they're saying. And most of the time, 99% of the time, if you are arguing a lot with someone and you think it's always their fault, most of the time, it's not always their fault. A lot of the times you'll see that when you are responding to what they're saying, you're really pouring gasoline on the fire, right? Instead of putting nice wood into the fire to keep the relationship going, you just dump gas on it with what you say. And that just, it spirals out of control. And so when we look inwards, see what we're contributing, then we are able to change our reactions, right? We don't have an effect. I guess we have an effect, but we can't force someone to react the way we want them to. And so what we can control is ourselves, our, our responses. We can't control the other person's responses and what they say. So when we look inward and we start to change, naturally, the other person will start to change as well. So that is the third great death, the death of the angry or blaming self. So now the fourth great death is the death of the entitled pleasure-seeking self. So this great death is involved in recovery from uh, habits and addictions. So let's see, there's, there's a study done that Dr. Burns mentions in his book. So I'm just going to read this real quick. He says, lots of people believe that habits and addictions result from emotional problems like depression, anxiety, loneliness, or troubled relationships, right? So if you have strong emotions, strong negative emotions, like if you, excuse me, if you engage in, let's say, an argument with your spouse or with someone, it can bring up those feelings of anger, resentment, all that. And so the emotion, what a lot of people think is that it's tied to addictions and habits, right? If you have a bad feeling, use addictions and habits to cope with what you're going through. So 
when you are, let's say, really angry, frustrated, or upset, you may cope with that by looking at porn and just kind of turning off your brain, right? Using porn as a coping mechanism. Or when you're depressed, you may go eat food, right? So that's kind of what they were testing here, trying to see if those have a correlation between the emotions that we feel and habits and addictions. So where was I? He says, the idea is that you may be treating, in air quotes, your loneliness or depression with food, alcohol, or drugs. A few years ago, this is again David Burns, I had a chance to test his theory in patients who had been newly admitted to the psychiatric inpatient unit of Stanford University Hospital. I examined whether habits and addictions such as binge eating and anorexia, as well as alcohol and drug abuse in these patients, resulted from emotional problems like depression, anxiety, loneliness, relationship conflicts, and personality disorders. What kinds of personality and emotional problems do you think were the most strongly associated with these habits and addictions? I was shocked to discover, and so was I as I was reading this, <laughs> that there were few, if any, significant relationships between addictions and emotional problems. In fact, depression was associated with eating, but the correlation was in the wrong direction. The more depressed you were, the less you ate. So he goes on to say that the only variable that was significantly associated with habits and addictions was patient scores on his uh, on my temptations test, on Dr. Burns' temptations test. Um, so he says that the data strongly suggested that habits and addictions primarily result from the intense human desire to gratify our cravings and not because of the problems in our lives. And so just the fact that we have cravings that we want to satisfy and gratify is the big um, contributor to habits and addictions. And it's not necessarily the emotions or what we're feeling. Yes, they do contribute, just not as big as we thought, I guess, and, as, and not as much as David Burns was thinking at the time. So when we have this death of the entitled or pleasure-seeking self, we realize that, uh, you know, we, we don't need these things to be happy, right? We don't need, uh, different coping mechanisms. Then that's again, how freedom will come about, right? And so let me see here. So, yeah, I think that's it. So we don't need those things. That's it. You know, we don't have, because a lot of the times, and this, I'm going to save this, most of this for another episode anyway. This could be a whole episode in and of itself. But most of the time, we when we feel these urges, like we need to eat food when uh, we we have a craving, right? or we need to go look at porn, we need to drink. Your mind literally thinks it's going to die, right? It puts this on it. It puts your brain kind of goes into this uh, flight or fight, fight or flight mode. And your brain says, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. If I don't uh, get this fix, if I don't 
you know, if I don't go look at porn, if I don't hurry and uh, take a quick smoke or drink some alcohol real quick, I am going to die. And that's why that craving kind of builds and builds and builds because we, a lot of the times people become dependent on those, right? And so when they try to quit, it's really hard because they have to go through the withdrawal process and all that. And again, I'm going to talk about that later in another episode. But when we realize that we don't need these things to be happy, that's when liberation happens. And that's like a cinder block off your chest. It's amazing, right? And just like in my last episode, that's how peace will be found. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I know some of the concepts in it are new. They were new to me, but as I've been thinking about them over the past couple of weeks and kind of looked back and seen how they affect me in my life, I've been able to see that there is so much truth in the four great deaths. And as I've been able to apply them, I've been able to experience liberation, right? Like what the Buddhists say will happen when you experience these great deaths. You'll experience instantaneous rebirth, like a, a new self. And it's been it's been awesome. So I encourage you to maybe just pick one, pick one of the great deaths, work on it, maybe experience that great death. I don't know how you would say it. <laughs> I don't want to say like die in that great death, you know, but experience that great death experience the death of the special self or the fearful self, the angry blaming self or the entitled pleasure seeking self. Choose one and give it a try. See how you feel. And again, it's going to be different for everyone, but just take a step back. Don't judge the immediate reactions that you have when you hear these things. Kind of take a step back, find the truth and learn to apply it in your life. And I promise you, you'll be able to at least see a little difference in your life and you'll be, you'll have a sense of, of liberation and experience more peace and you'll just be happier in general. So thank you all so much for listening to this episode and I will see you all next week. Peace. Hey everyone, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. That's how I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I can. If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. So thank you all so much for your support and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.